Section six of Lourdes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please contact LibriVox.org. Lourdes by Emile Zola. Translated by Ernest Visitelli. The second day. One. The train arrives. It was twenty minutes past three by the clock of the Lourdes railway station, the dial of which was illumined by a reflector. Under the slanting roof sheltering the platform, a hundred yards or so in length, some shadowy forms went to and fro, resignedly waiting. Only a red signal light peeped out of the black countryside, far away. Two of the promenaders suddenly halted. The taller of them, a father of the Assumption, none other indeed than the Reverend Father Fourcade, director of the national pilgrimage who had reached lourdes on the previous day was a man of sixty looking superb in his black cloak with its large hood his fine head with its clear domineering eyes and thick grisly beard was the head of a general whom an intelligent determination to conquer inflames in consequence however of a sudden attack of gout he slightly dragged one of his legs and was leaning on the shoulder of his companion dr bonami the practitioner attached to the miracle verification office a short thick-set man with a square-shaped clean-shaven face which had dull blurred eyes and a tranquil cast of features father fourcade had stopped to question the station-master whom he perceived running out of his office will the white train be very late monsieur he asked no your reverence it hasn't lost more than ten minutes it will be here at the half-hour it's the beyond train which worries me it ought to have passed through already so saying he ran off to give an order but soon came back again his slim nervous figure displaying marked signs of agitation he lived indeed in a state of high fever throughout the period of the great pilgrimages apart from the usual service he that day expected eighteen trains containing more than fifteen thousand passengers the grey and the blue trains which had started from paris the first had already arrived at the regulation hour but the delay in the arrival of the white train was very troublesome the more so as the beyond express which passed over the same rails had not yet been signalled it was easy to understand therefore what incessant watchfulness was necessary not a second passing without the entire staff of the station being called upon to exercise its vigilance in ten minutes then repeated father fourcade yes in ten minutes unless i'm obliged to close the line cried the station-master as he hastened into the telegraph office father fourcade and the doctor slowly resumed their promenade the thing which astonished them was that no serious accident had ever happened in the midst of such a fearful scramble in past times especially the most terrible disorder had prevailed father fourcade complacently recalled the first pilgrimage which he had organized and led in eighteen seventy five the terrible endless journey without pillows or mattresses the patients exhausted half dead with no means of reviving them at hand and then the arrival at lourdes the train evacuated in confusion no materiel in readiness no straps no stretchers nor carts but now there was a powerful organization a hospital awaited the sick who were no longer reduced to lying upon straw in sheds what a shock for those unhappy ones what force of will in the man of faith who led them to the scene of miracles the reverend father smiled gently at the thought of the work which he had accomplished then still leaning on the doctor's shoulder he began to question him how many pilgrims did you have last year he asked about two hundred thousand that is still the average in the year of the coronation of the virgin the figure rose to five hundred thousand 
but to bring that about an exceptional occasion was needed with a great effort of propaganda such vast masses cannot be collected together every day a pause followed and then father fourcade murmured no doubt still the blessing of heaven attends our endeavors our work thrives more and more we have collected more than two hundred thousand francs in donations for this journey and god will be with us there will be many cures for you to proclaim tomorrow i am sure of it then breaking off he inquired has not father d'argelès come here dr bonamy waved his hand as though to say he did not know father d'argelès was the editor of the journal de la grotte he belonged to the order of the fathers of the immaculate conception whom the bishop had installed at lourdes and who were the absolute masters there though when the fathers of the assumption came to the town with the national pilgrimage from paris which crowds of faithful catholics from cambrai arras chartres troyes reims saint orleans blois and poitiers joined they evinced a kind of affectation in disappearing from the scene their omnipotence was no longer felt either at the grotto or at the basilica they seemed to surrender every key together with every responsibility their superior father cap de Bart, a tall peasant-like man with a knotty frame a big head which looked as if it had been fashioned with a bill-hook and a worn face which retained a ruddy mournful reflection of the soil did not even show himself of the whole community you only saw little insinuating father d'argelès but he was met everywhere incessantly on the lookout for paragraphs for his newspaper at the same time however although the fathers of the immaculate conception disappeared in this fashion it could be divined that they were behind the vast stage like a hidden sovereign power coining money and toiling without a pause to increase the triumphant prosperity of their business indeed they turned even their humility to account it's true that we have had to get up early two in the morning resumed father fourcade gaily but i wished to be here what would my poor children have said indeed if i had not come he was alluding to the sick pilgrims those who were so much flesh for miracle working and it was a fact that he had never missed coming to the station no matter what the hour to meet that woeful white train that train which brought such grievous suffering with it five and twenty minutes past three only another five minutes now exclaimed dr bonamy repressing a yawn as he glanced at the clock for despite his obsequious air he was at bottom very much annoyed at having had to get out of bed so early however he continued his slow promenade with father fourcade along that platform which resembled a covered walk pacing up and down in the dense night which the gas jets here and there illumined with patches of yellow light little parties dimly outlined composed of priests and gentlemen in frock-coats with a solitary officer of dragoons went to and fro incessantly talking together the while in discreet murmuring tones other people seated on benches ranged along the station wall were also chatting or putting their patience to proof with their glances wandering away into the black stretch of country before them the doorways of the offices and waiting-rooms which were brilliantly lighted looked like great holes in the darkness and all was flaring in the refreshment room where you could see the marble tables and the counter laden with bottles and glasses and baskets of bread and fruit on the right hand beyond the roofing of the platform there was a confused swarming of people there was here a goods gate by which the sick were taken out of the station and a mass of stretchers litters and handcarts with piles of pillows and mattresses obstructed the broad walk three parties of bearers were also assembled here persons of well-nigh every class but more particularly young men of good society all wearing red orange-tipped crosses and straps of yellow leather 
many of them too had adopted the bernese cap the convenient headgear of the region and a few clad as though they were bound on some distant expedition displayed wonderful gaiters reaching to their knees some were smoking whilst others installed in their little vehicles slept or read newspapers by the light of the neighboring gas jets one group standing apart was discussing some service question suddenly however one and all began to salute a paternal-looking man with a heavy but good-natured face lighted by large blue eyes like those of a credulous child was approaching it was baron suire the president of the hospitality of our lady of salvation he possessed a great fortune and occupied a high position at toulouse where is berteau he inquired of one bearer after another with a busy air where is berteau i must speak to him the others answered volunteering contradictory information berteau was their superintendent and whilst some said that they had seen him with the reverend father fourcard others affirmed that he must be in the courtyard of the station inspecting the ambulance vehicles and they thereupon offered to go and fetch him no no thank you replied the baron i shall manage to find him myself whilst this was happening berteau who had just seated himself on a bench at the other end of the station was talking with his young friend gerard de perlongue by way of occupation pending the arrival of the train the superintendent of the bearers was a man of forty with a broad regular-featured handsome face and carefully trimmed whiskers of a lawyer-like pattern belonging to a militant legitimist family and holding extremely reactionary opinions he had been procureur de la république public prosecutor in a town of the south of france from the time of the parliamentary revolution of the twenty fourth of may until that of the decree on the religious communities when he had resigned his post in a blusterous fashion by addressing an insulting letter to the minister of justice and he had never since laid down his arms but had joined the hospitality of our lady of salvation as a sort of protest repairing year after year to lourdes in order to demonstrate convinced as he was that the pilgrimages were both disagreeable and hurtful to the republic and that god alone could re-establish the monarchy by one of those miracles which he worked so lavishly at the grotto despite all this however berteau possessed no small amount of good sense and being of a gay disposition displayed a kind of jovial charity towards the poor sufferers whose transport he had to provide for during the three days that the national pilgrimage remained at lourdes and so my dear gerard he said to the young man seated beside him your marriage is really to come off this year why yes if i can find such a wife as i want replied the other come cousin give me some good advice gerard de perlongue a short thin carroty young man with a pronounced nose and prominent cheekbones belonged to tarbes where his father and mother had lately died leaving him at the utmost some seven or eight thousand francs a year extremely ambitious he had been unable to find such a wife as he desired in his native province a well-connected young woman capable of helping him to push both forward and upward in the world and so he had joined the hospitality and betook himself every summer to lourdes in the vague hope that amidst the mass of believers the torrent of devout mamas and daughters which flowed thither he might find the family whose help he needed to enable him to make his way in this terrestrial sphere however he remained in perplexity for if on the one hand he already had several young ladies in view on the other none of them completely satisfied him eh cousin you will advise me won't you he said to berteau you are a man of experience there is mademoiselle le mercier who comes here with her aunt she is very rich according to what is said she has over a million francs but she doesn't belong to our set and besides i think her a bit of a madcap berteau nodded i told you so 
if i were you i should choose little raymonde and mademoiselle de jonquiere but she hasn't a copper that's true she has barely enough to pay for her board but she is fairly good-looking she has been well brought up and she has no extravagant tastes that is the really important point for what is the use of marrying a rich girl if she squanders the dowry she brings you besides i know madame and mademoiselle de jonquiere very well i meet them all through the winter in the most influential drawing-rooms of paris and finally don't forget the girl's uncle the diplomatist who has had the painful courage to remain in the service of the republic he will be able to do whatever he pleases for his niece's husband for a moment gerard seemed shaken and then he relapsed into perplexity but she hasn't a copper he said no not a copper it's too stiff i am quite willing to think it over but it really frightens me too much this time berthaud burst into a frank laugh come you are ambitious and so you must be daring i tell you that it means the secretaryship of an embassy before two years are over by the way madame and mademoiselle de jonquiere are in the white train which we are waiting for make up your mind and pay your court at once no no later on i want to think it over at this moment they were interrupted for baron suire who had already once gone by without perceiving them so completely did the darkness enshroud them in that retired corner had just recognized the ex-public prosecutor's good-natured laugh and thereupon with the volubility of a man whose head is easily unhinged he gave him several orders respecting the vehicles and the transport service deploring the circumstance that it would be impossible to conduct the patients to the grotto immediately upon their arrival as it was yet so extremely early it had therefore been decided that they should in the first instance be taken to the hospital of our lady of dolour where they would be able to rest a while after their trying journey whilst the baron and the superintendent were thus settling what measures should be adopted gerard shook hands with a priest who had just sat down beside him this was the abbe des who was barely eight-and-thirty years of age and had a superb head such a head as one might expect to find on the shoulders of a worldly priest with his hair well combed and his person perfumed he was not unnaturally a great favourite among women very amiable and distinguished in his manners he did not come to lourdes in any official capacity but simply for his pleasure as so many other people did and the bright sparkling smile of a sceptic above all idolatry gleamed in the depths of his fine eyes he certainly believed and bowed to superior decisions but the church the holy see had not pronounced itself with regard to the miracles and he seemed quite ready to dispute their authenticity having lived at tarbes he was already acquainted with gerard ah he said to him how impressive it is isn't it this waiting for the trains in the middle of the night i have come to meet a lady one of my former paris penitents but i don't know what train she will come by still as you see i stop on for it all interests me so much then another priest an old country priest having come to sit down on the same bench the abbe considerately began talking to him speaking of the beauty of the lourdes district and of the theatrical effect which would take place by and by when the sun rose and the mountains appeared however there was again a sudden alert and the station-master ran along shouting orders removing his hand from dr bonamy's shoulder father fourcade despite his gouty leg hastily drew near oh it's that beyond express which is so late answered the station-master in reply to the questions addressed to him i should like some information about it i'm not at ease at this moment the telegraph bells rang out and a porter rushed away into the darkness swinging a lantern whilst a distant signal began to work thereupon the station-master resumed ah this time it's the white train 
let us hope we shall have time to get the sick people out before the express passes he started off once more and disappeared Berthaud, meanwhile called to gerard who was at the head of a squad of bearers and they both made haste to join their men into whom baron suir was already instilling activity the bearers flocked to the spot from all sides and setting themselves in motion began dragging their little vehicles across the lines to the platform at which the white train would come in an unroofed platform plunged in darkness a mass of pillows mattresses stretchers and litters was soon waiting there whilst father fourcade dr bonami the priests the gentlemen and the officer of dragoons in their turn crossed over in order to witness the removal of the ailing pilgrims all that they could as yet see far away in the depths of the black country was the lantern in front of the engine looking like a red star which grew larger and larger strident whistles pierced the night then suddenly ceased and you only heard the panting of the steam and the dull roar of the wheels gradually slackening their speed then the canticle became distinctly audible the song of bernadette with the ever-recurring aves of its refrain which the whole train was chanting in chorus and at last this train of suffering and faith this moaning singing train thus making its entry into lourdes drew up in the station the carriage doors were at once opened the whole throng of healthy pilgrims and availing ones able to walk alighted and streamed over the platform the few gas lamps cast but a feeble light on the crowd of poverty-stricken beings clad in faded garments and encumbered with all sorts of parcels baskets valises and boxes and amidst all the jostling of this scared flock which did not know in which direction to turn to find its way out of the station loud exclamations were heard the shouts of people calling relatives whom they had lost mingled with the embraces of others whom relatives or friends had come to meet one woman declared with beatifical satisfaction i have slept well a priest went off carrying his travelling bag after wishing a crippled lady good luck most of them had the bewildered weary yet joyous appearance of people whom an excursion train sets down at some unknown station and such became the scramble and the confusion in the darkness that they did not hear the railway employees who grew quite hoarse through shouting this way this way in their eagerness to clear the platform as soon as possible sister hyacinthe had nimbly alighted from her compartment leaving the dead man in the charge of sister claire des anges and losing her head somewhat she ran off to the cantine van in the idea that ferrand would be able to help her fortunately she found father fourcade in front of the van and acquainted him with the fatality in a low voice repressing a gesture of annoyance he thereupon called baron suir who was passing and began whispering in his ear the muttering lasted for a few seconds and then the baron rushed off and clove his way through the crowd with two bearers carrying a covered litter in this the man was removed from the carriage as though he were a patient who had simply fainted the mob of pilgrims paying no further attention to him amidst all the emotion of their arrival preceded by the baron the bearers carried the corpse into a goods office where they provisionally lodged it behind some barrels one of them a fair-haired little fellow a general's son remaining to watch over it meanwhile after begging ferrand and sister saint francois to go and wait for her in the courtyard of the station near the reserved vehicle which was to take them to the hospital of our lady of dolour sister hyacinthe returned to the railway carriage and talked of helping her patients to alight before going away but marie would not let her touch her no no said the girl do not trouble about me sister i shall remain here the last my father and abbe fromont have gone to the van to fetch the wheels i am waiting for their return they know how to fix them and they will take me away all right you may be sure of it in the same way monsieur sabatier and brother isidore did not desire to be moved until the crowd had decreased 
madame de jonquiere who had taken charge of la grivotte also promised to see madame vetu's removal in an ambulance vehicle and thereupon sister hyacinthe decided that she would go off at once so as to get everything ready at the hospital moreover she took with her both little sophie couteau and elise rouquet whose face she very carefully wrapped up madame maz preceded them whilst madame vincent carrying her little girl who was unconscious and quite white struggled through the crowd possessed by the fixed idea of running off as soon as possible and depositing the child in the grotto at the feet of the blessed virgin the mob was now pressing towards the doorway by which passengers left the station and to facilitate the egress of all these people it at last became necessary to open the luggage gates the employés at a loss how to take the tickets held out their caps which a downpour of little cards speedily filled and in the courtyard a large square courtyard skirted on three sides by the low buildings of the station the most extraordinary uproar prevailed amongst all the vehicles of diverse kinds which were there jumbled together the hotel omnibuses backed against the curb of the footway displayed the most sacred names on their large boards jesus and mary saint michel the rosary and the sacred heart then there were ambulance vehicles landaus cabriolets brakes and little donkey carts all entangled together with their drivers shouting swearing and cracking their whips the tumult being apparently increased by the obscurity in which the lanterns set brilliant patches of light rain had fallen heavily a few hours previously liquid mud splashed up under the hoofs of the horses the foot passengers sank into it to their ankles monsieur vigneron whom madame vigneron and madame chaise were following in a state of distraction raised gustave in order to place him in the omnibus from the hotel of the apparitions after which he himself and the ladies climbed into the vehicle madame maz shuddering slightly like a delicate tabby who fears to dirty the tips of her paws made a sign to the driver of an old brougham got into it and quickly drove away after giving as address the convent of the blue sisters and at last sister hyacinthe was able to install herself with elise rouquet and sophie couteau in a large charabon in which ferron and sisters saint francois and claire des anges were already seated the drivers whipped up their spirited little horses and the vehicles went off at a breakneck pace amidst the shouts of those left behind and the splashing of the mire in presence of that rushing torrent madame vincent with her dear little burden in her arms hesitated to cross over bursts of laughter rang out around her every now and then oh what a filthy mess and at the sight of all the mud the women caught up their skirts before attempting to pass through it at last when the courtyard had somewhat emptied madame vincent herself ventured on her way all terror lest the mire should make her fall in that black darkness then on reaching a downhill road she noticed there a number of women of the locality who were on the watch offering furnished rooms bed and board according to the state of the pilgrim's purse which is the way to the grotto madame if you please asked madame vincent addressing one old woman of the party instead of answering the question however the other offered her a cheap room you won't find anything in the hotels she said they are all full perhaps you will be able to eat there but you certainly won't find a closet even to sleep in eat sleep indeed had madame vincent any thought of such things she who had left paris with thirty sous in her pocket all that remained to her after the expenses she had been put to the way to the grotto if you please madame she repeated among the women who were thus touting for lodgers there was a tall well-built girl dressed like a superior servant and looking very clean with carefully tended hands she glanced at madame vincent and slightly shrugged her shoulders and then seeing a broad-chested priest with a red face go by she rushed after him offered him a furnished room and continued following him whispering in his ear 
another girl however at last took pity on madame vincent and said to her here go down this road and when you get to the bottom turn to the right and you will reach the grotto meanwhile the confusion inside the station continued the healthy pilgrims and those of the sick who retained the use of their legs could go off thus in some measure clearing the platform but the others the more grievously stricken sufferers whom it was difficult to get out of the carriages and remove to the hospital remained waiting the bearers seemed to become quite bewildered rushing madly hither and thither with their litters and vehicles not knowing at what end to set about the profusion of work which lay before them as berteau followed by gerard went along the platform gesticulating he noticed two ladies and a girl who were standing under a gas jet and to all appearance waiting in the girl he recognized raymonde and with a sign of the hand he at once stopped his companion ah mademoiselle said he how pleased i am to see you is madame de jonquiere quite well you have made a good journey i hope then without a pause he added this is my friend monsieur gerard de perolongue raymonde gazed fixedly at the young man with her clear smiling eyes oh i already have the pleasure of being slightly acquainted with this gentleman she said we have previously met one another at lourdes thereupon gerard who thought that his cousin berteau was conducting matters too quickly and was quite resolved that he would not enter into any hasty engagement contented himself with bowing in a ceremonious way we are waiting for mamma resumed raymonde she is extremely busy she has to see after some pilgrims who are very ill at this little madame des agneaux with her pretty light wavy haired head began to say that it served madame de jonquiere right for refusing her services she herself was stamping with impatience eager to join in the work and make herself useful while madame volmar silent shrinking back as though taking no interest in it at all seemed simply desirous of penetrating the darkness as though indeed she were seeking somebody with those magnificent eyes of hers usually bedimmed but now shining out like braziers just then however they were all pushed back madame de la fée was being removed from her first-class compartment and madame des agneaux could not restrain an exclamation of pity ah oh, the poor woman there could in fact be no more distressing sight than this young woman encompassed by luxury covered with lace in her species of coffin so wasted that she seemed to be a mere human shred deposited on that platform till it could be taken away her husband and her sister both very elegant and very sad remained standing near her whilst a manservant and maid ran off with the valises to ascertain if the carriage which had been ordered by telegram was in the courtyard abbe Juden also helped the sufferer and when two men at last took her up he bent over her and wished her au revoir adding some kind words which she did not seem to hear then as he watched her removal he resumed addressing himself to berteau whom he knew ah the poor people if they could only purchase their dear sufferer's cure i told them that prayer was the most precious thing in the blessed virgin's eyes and i hope that i have myself prayed fervently enough to obtain the compassion of heaven nevertheless they have brought a magnificent gift a golden lantern for the basilica a perfect marvel adorned with precious stones may the immaculate virgin deign to smile upon it in this way a great many offerings were brought by the pilgrims some huge bouquets of flowers had just gone by together with a kind of triple crown of roses mounted on a wooden stand and the old priest explained that before leaving the station he wished to secure a banner the gift of the beautiful madame jousseur madame de la fée's sister madame de jonquiere was at last approaching however and on perceiving berteau and gerard she exclaimed pray do go to that carriage gentlemen that one there we want some men very badly 
there are three or four sick persons to be taken out i am in despair i can do nothing myself gerard ran off after bowing to raymonde whilst berteau advised madame de jonquiere to leave the station with her daughter and those ladies instead of remaining on the platform her presence was in no wise necessary he said he would undertake everything and within three-quarters of an hour she would find her patients in her ward at the hospital she ended by giving way and took a conveyance in company with raymond and madame des agneaux as for madame vormar she had at the last moment disappeared as though seized with a sudden fit of impatience the others fancied that they had seen her approach a strange gentleman with the object no doubt of making some inquiry of him however they would of course find her at the hospital berteau joined gerard again just as the young man assisted by two fellow-bearers was endeavouring to remove monsieur sabatier from the carriage it was a difficult task for he was very stout and very heavy and they began to think that he would never pass through the doorway of the compartment however as he had been got in they ought to be able to get him out and indeed when two other bearers had entered the carriage from the other side they were at last able to deposit him on the platform the dawn was now appearing a faint pale dawn and the platform presented the woeful appearance of an improvised ambulance la grivotte who had lost consciousness lay there on a mattress pending her removal in a litter whilst madame vetu had been seated against a lamp-post suffering so severely from another attack of her ailment that they scarcely dared to touch her some hospitallers whose hands were gloved were with difficulty wheeling their little vehicles in which were poor sordid-looking women with old baskets at their feet others with stretchers on which lay the stiffened woeful bodies of silent sufferers whose eyes gleamed with anguish found themselves unable to pass but some of the infirm pilgrims some unfortunate cripples contrived to slip through the ranks among them a young priest who was lame and a little humpbacked boy one of whose legs had been amputated and who looking like a gnome managed to drag himself with his crutches from group to group then there was quite a block around a man who was bent in half twisted by paralysis to such a point that he had to be carried on a chair with his head and feet hanging downward it seemed as though hours would be required to clear the platform the dismay therefore reached a climax when the station-master suddenly rushed up shouting the bayonne express is signalled make haste make haste you have only three minutes left father fourcade who had remained in the midst of the throng leaning on dr bonamy's arm and gaily encouraging the more stricken of the sufferers beckoned to berteau and said to him finish taking them out of the train you will be able to clear the platform afterwards the advice was very sensible and in accordance with it they finished placing the sufferers on the platform in madame de jonquiere's carriage marie now alone remained waiting patiently monsieur de garcin and pierre had at last returned to her bringing the two pairs of wheels by means of which the box in which she lay was rolled about and with gerard's assistance pierre in all haste removed the girl from the train she was as light as a poor shivering bird and it was only the box that gave them any trouble however they soon placed it on the wheels and made the latter fast and then pierre might have rolled marie away had it not been for the crowd which hampered him make haste make haste furiously repeated the station-master he himself lent a hand taking hold of a sick man by the feet in order that he might more speedily be got out of a compartment and he also pushed the little hand-carts back so as to clear the edge of the platform in a second-class carriage however there still remained one woman who had just been overpowered by a terrible nervous attack she was howling and struggling and it was impossible to think of touching her at that moment but on the other hand the express signalled by the incessant tinkling of the electric bells was now fast approaching and they had to close the door and in all haste shunt the train to the siding 
where it would remain for three days until in fact it was required to convey its load of sick and healthy passengers back to paris as it went off to the siding the crowd still heard the cries of the suffering woman whom it had been necessary to leave in it in the charge of a sister cries which grew weaker and weaker like those of a strengthless child whom one at last succeeds in consoling good lord muttered the station-master it was high time in fact the bayonne express was now coming along at full speed and the next moment it rushed like a crash of thunder past that woeful platform littered with all the grievous wretchedness of a hospital hastily evacuated the litters and little hand-carts were shaken but there was no accident for the porters were on the watch and pushed from the line the bewildered flock which was still jostling and struggling in its eagerness to get away as soon as the express had passed however circulation was re-established and the bearers were at last able to complete the removal of the sick with prudent deliberation little by little the daylight was increasing a clear dawn it was whitening the heavens whose reflection illumined the earth which was still black you began to distinguish things and people clearly oh by and by marie repeated to pierre as he endeavoured to roll her away let us wait till some part of the crowd has gone then looking around she began to feel interested in a man of military bearing apparently some sixty years of age who was walking about among the sick pilgrims with a square-shaped head and white bushy hair he would still have looked sturdy if he had not dragged his left foot throwing it inward at each step he took with the left hand too he leaned heavily on a thick walking-stick when monsieur sabatier who had visited lourdes for six years past perceived him he became quite gay ah said he it is you commander commander was perhaps the old man's name but as he was decorated with a broad red riband he was possibly called commander on account of his decoration albeit the latter was that of a mere chevalier nobody exactly knew his story no doubt he had relatives and children of his own somewhere but these matters remained vague and mysterious for the last three years he had been employed at the railway station as a superintendent in the goods department a simple occupation a little berth which had been given him by favour and which enabled him to live in perfect happiness a first stroke of apoplexy at fifty-five years of age had been followed by a second one three years later which had left him slightly paralysed in the left side and now he was awaiting the third stroke with an air of perfect tranquillity as he himself put it he was at the disposal of death which might come for him that night the next day or possibly that very moment all lourdes knew him on account of the habit the mania he had at pilgrimage time of coming to witness the arrival of the trains dragging his foot along and leaning upon his stick whilst expressing his astonishment and reproaching the ailing ones for their intense desire to be made whole and sound again this was the third year that he had seen monsieur sabatier arrive and all his anger fell upon him what you have come back again he exclaimed well you must be desirous of living this hateful life but sacre bleu go and die quietly in your bed at home isn't that the best thing that can happen to any one monsieur sabatier evinced no anger but laughed exhausted though he was by the handling to which he had been subjected during his removal from the carriage no no said he i prefer to be cured to be cured to be cured that's what they all ask for they travel hundreds of leagues and arrive in fragments howling with pain and all this to be cured to go through every worry and every suffering again come monsieur you would be nicely caught if at your age and with your dilapidated old body your blessed virgin should be pleased to restore the use of your legs to you what would you do with them mon dieu 
what pleasure would you find in prolonging the abomination of old age for a few years more it's much better to die at once while you are like that death is happiness he spoke in this fashion not as a believer who aspires to the delicious reward of eternal life but as a weary man who expects to fall into nihility to enjoy the great everlasting peace of being no more whilst m sabatier was gaily shrugging his shoulders as though he had a child to deal with abbe judaine who had at last secured his banner came by and stopped for a moment in order that he might gently scold the commander with whom he also was well acquainted don't blaspheme my dear friend he said it is an offence against god to refuse life and to treat health with contempt if you yourself had listened to me you would have asked the blessed virgin to cure your leg before now at this the commander became angry my leg the virgin can do nothing to it i am quite at my ease may death come and may it be all over for ever when the time comes to die you turn your face to the wall and you die it's simple enough the old priest interrupted him however pointing to marie who was lying on her box listening to them he exclaimed you tell all our sick to go home and die even mademoiselle eh? she who is full of youth and wishes to live marie's eyes were wide open burning with the ardent desire which she felt to be to enjoy her share of the vast world and the commander who had drawn near gazed upon her suddenly seized with deep emotion which made his voice tremble if mademoiselle gets well he said i will wish her another miracle that she be happy then he went off dragging his foot and tapping the flagstones with the ferrule of his stout stick as he continued wending his way like an angry philosopher among the suffering pilgrims little by little the platform was at last cleared madame vetu and la grivotte were carried away and gerard removed monsieur sabatier in a little cart whilst baron suir and berteaux already began giving orders for the green train which would be the next one to arrive of all the ailing pilgrims the only one now remaining at the station was marie of whom pierre jealously took charge he had already dragged her into the courtyard when he noticed that monsieur de guersin had disappeared but a moment later he perceived him conversing with the abbe des Hermoises, whose acquaintance he had just made their admiration of the beauties of nature had brought them together the daylight had now appeared and the surrounding mountains displayed themselves in all their majesty what a lovely country monsieur exclaimed monsieur de guersin i have been wishing to see the cirque de garvarny for thirty years past but it is some distance away and the trip must be an expensive one so that i fear i shall not be able to make it you are mistaken monsieur said the abbe nothing is more easily managed by making up a party the expense becomes very slight and as it happens i wish to return there this year so that if you would like to join us oh certainly monsieur we will speak of it again a thousand thanks replied monsieur de guersin his daughter was now calling him however and he joined her after taking leave of the abbe in a very cordial manner pierre had decided that he would drag marie to the hospital so as to spare her the pain of transference to another vehicle but as the omnibuses landaus and other conveyances were already coming back again filling the courtyard in readiness for the arrival of the next train the young priest had some difficulty in reaching the road with the little chariot whose low wheels sank deeply in the mud some police agents charged with maintaining order were cursing that fearful mire which splashed their boots and indeed it was only the touts the young and old women who had rooms to let who laughed at the puddles which they crossed and crossed again in every direction pursuing the last pilgrims that emerged from the station when the little car had begun to roll more easily over the sloping road marie suddenly inquired of monsieur de guersin who was walking near her 
what day of the week is it father saturday my darling ah oh, yes saturday the day of the blessed virgin is it today that she will cure me then she began thinking again while at some distance behind her two bearers came furtively down the road with a covered stretcher in which lay the corpse of the man who had died in the train they had gone to take it from behind the barrels in the goods office and were now conveying it to a secret spot of which father fourcade had told them end of section six